the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are going to start talking politics with my first guest, David Katz. He is a former assistant U.S. attorney out of the Southern District. He is a friend and colleague of Adam Schiff. So you're probably now wondering, oh my gosh, what's he going to say? So without further ado, let's find out what he's going to say. Uh, Welcome, my friend. David, are you there? Yeah, great to be with you, Wendy. Okay, David, I think you and I were co-guests on uh, one of these um, live shows, live news shows, not too long ago. So it's a it's a wonderful thing to have you back. Um, I, I want to start. And, 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 and we dis- we disagreed without being disagreeable, oh, which is, is it- a good idea for the Christmas uh, uh, debates if you get into one with uh, extended family, right? You know, David, I think that's because you and I are both lawyers and in law school we're taught to argue one side of the case in the morning and then the other side in the afternoon, recognizing that it's just discussing both sides of the same topic and it's actually a, a wonderful thing. And I would imagine we'll do the same thing tonight, although because I'm the host, I'm almost going to have to play devil's advocate with you. But I I think we'll start with... Um, have you heard of this, uh, uh, the House Dems actually raising the prospect of there being some new impeachment articles? I know you're in the middle of traveling, so I'm not sure whether you've had a chance to hear about this. Just just breaking. Well, I think it sort of makes sense because from their point of view, they feel that they've made an accusation, an indictment. You and I were both prosecutors. We returned indictments. And, of course, we didn't get into the situation here in Southern California where we had a what we consider a biased jury. But from the point of view of the House, they now have a Senate that has come out and said, some of these Republican senators, they don't plan to be impartial. They're going to take an oath to be impartial, but they're not going to be impartial. Uh, Another senator said, don't expect me to evaluate uh, the evidence fairly. And from their point of view, they may just want to keep going. In other words, if the Senate has made clear they're not going to call former National Security Advisor Bolton or they're not going to call Acting Chief of Staff Mulvaney, why not call them, let's say, before Adam Schiff's House Intelligence Committee or why not call them before the House Judiciary Committee? So I'm not that surprised that uh, they've taken that view of things, given that they're about to have a whitewash. The opposite of a railroad. You know, we talk about defendants being railroaded to conviction. Uh, the senators plan to railroad Trump to, uh, you know, a very rapid acquittal. Well, speaking of a railroad, I think this impeachment inquiry is on a road to nowhere. The train has left the station, but it might be dead on arrival. So, David, let me ask you, is it going to arrive at all? That's one of the latest things we're all debating is, wait a minute, we just went through approving these articles of impeachment in the House, and now Speaker Pelosi is holding on to them briefly. Why is she doing that? And when, I know you've got a lot of political savvy because I've been on the air with you, when do you think she's planning on strategically delivering these things to the Senate for a real trial? Well, I think it's going to have to be delivered um, late January, February, something like that, because I think that she will start to get political blowback, whether it's fair or unfair, if uh, she doesn't uh, deliver it on behalf of the House. The House, after all, did uh, impeach the president on these two articles. Right. But I think from their point of view, there is some consistency. 
um, in, in their position. They, the Republicans have said there's an inconsistency. The idea was to, you know, it's like a case where you might indict somebody quickly because you want to get that message out and you want to deter that defendant. Having deterred that defendant with the charge, as they believe Trump as, is somewhat deterred by having these charges against him, um, particularly uh, interfering with the election, I think that they feel more confident, the Democrats having done it, that he will not interfere with the 2020 election. He'll be chilled. He'll be deterred. <laughs> and so the urgency that they had back in November and early December to impeach him, I think they've made that point, And they're not quite as worried that he let's assume he went right now and called China tomorrow. We learned that he was calling China today and asking them to cook up something on Biden since they couldn't gin up anything on Biden over in Ukraine. Let's assume that he did that. I think a lot of Republican senators would impeach him and remove him. In that sense, he's been deterred by the fact of the articles of impeachment. The prosecutors like you and I were have had an impact, I think, on his conduct going forward. And I think that's been important. David, you bring up some very interesting points. And, and you know, I, I say it's a road to nowhere. It's not going to go anywhere. Obviously, it's, he's going to be acquitted. He won't be removed. But you're bringing up the rationale for pursuing the articles, notwithstanding that everybody in the House knows that he's never going to be removed from office. So I think it's a really interesting rationale. And it really does sort of go to the the dual uses of punishment. You know, why do we want, we want to deter others? We want to deter wrongdoing. But the president maintains, and this is the big difference from the um, Bill Clinton impeachment, he's done nothing wrong. It was a perfect call. And even Republican colleagues and supporters who say, ah, maybe it wasn't a perfect call, nobody believes that he should be impeached over it. Uh, and there is not the kind of bipartisan support we saw in the Clinton impeachment. Remember what Clinton said there? You know, he basically was a mea culpa, and then it was all about, well, is this actually an impeachable offense? Um, so I've only got maybe a 30 seconds left, but let me ask you a question that um, – um, I know that put your political hat on as well as your prosecutor hat on. Put them both on to answer this. Um, when this actually uh, arrives, is has become an issue. Is there any thought that Speaker Pelosi could possibly hold these articles over until after the 2020 election? When maybe there's a major- that- a different majority in the Senate? You know, I think that's very unlikely, although there might be new articles of impeachment. You could think of it like because an indictment has been brought, that doesn't mean that there can't be a superseding indictment. And it can't mean that there can't be a grand jury investigation. You and I both know that the defendant has done something else that's worthy of investigation. So the grand jury sits on superseding charges. And I really do believe that um, either the um, the House with a shift in the Intelligence Committee or Nadler will pursue uh, some further witnesses since the Senate's made clear. By the way, I just want to tell all your listeners that when Adam Schiff and I worked together in the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office, in it's called the Central District in Los Angeles, um, it was under President Reagan, and uh, there was no partisanship to it. And, you know, the interesting thing about Adam Schiff is he's been considered a conservative Democrat. He's one like Pelosi who resisted impeachment even under the Mueller report. But with a phone call the day after Mueller testified on July 25th to the incoming Ukrainian president, I think that was too much for him. It showed a kind of defiance of the rule of law. I know some of your listeners may not agree with that. <laughs> Most of Christmas, them probably don't. But to Christmas, let it rip. Let it. That's right. Let America. it fly. Have a, have a have a pleasant discussion about it. Have a debate. We do that in my family. Yeah. We have all kinds of Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and we let it rip, and nobody gets angry. 
Then we have some more eggnog. David, I know why. You have a very calm and peaceful tone of voice, which makes it really actually pleasurable to, to, to debate with you. So I know that's probably if, if your kids take after you, that's probably why your family members are, are, are willing to let it fly because it actually doesn't result in any harm or any injuries. David, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'll see you on the air pretty soon. Best of luck to you and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We are going to take a short break and we'll be right back with you. Stay with us. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Let's see. Andrea K is the donut queen of San Diego. That also sort of describes me to a T. So we've got demographics. We've got height. We've got weight. All we have is a different dress color, I guess. I'm dynamite in a green dress. She's probably dynamite in a red dress. And if you've always if you've met her, you know what I mean. Okay, so. One of the other things that may be a topic of discussion around the holiday table this year is what kind of crazy new laws are we getting in California this year? Because we have the privilege of being one of the states that, for whatever reason, has hundreds and hundreds of new laws. Everything from dogs off leashes to booze at the beach to plastic bags to straws, one thing after another. Uh, There are, however, some very serious new laws taking place that are being put in place to really protect us, to protect you, to protect your children. So I'm going to welcome a very good friend of mine in a minute to to talk about some of this. Some of the new laws taking effect in 2020 relate to combating human trafficking, something that is near and dear to all of our hearts, no matter where you are, where you live. Everybody wants to really up their awareness skills of being able to detect it. What are the red flags? How do you know? What if you suspect something, but you're not sure it's a crime? Do you call the police? Who do you report to? Well, there's an organization that's based right here in San Diego that specializes in this area. It's called the National Law Center for Children and Families, or NLC for short, uh, I am the chief trainer of this organization. It's a very, it's a, it's a real privilege, and it's even more of a privilege for me to have online here to talk about some of the new laws. The president of NLC, Larry Dersham, who is also a local-based attorney and a hearing officer for the County of San Diego. Hi, Larry. How are you? Oh, doing good, Wendy. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Larry, I can't tell you how privileged it is that uh, for me to have you on tonight to talk about some of these new laws. Um, And I'm just going to start by asking, you know, what new laws should our audience be aware of that relate to the work your organization does? Right. Probably the first one that I'd like to mention uh, is SB 970. That's Senate Bill 970, which adds government code uh, 12950.3. And what it does, Wendy, it uh, requires that all hotel and motel workers receive human trafficking training to spot the red flags. So if they see something that looks suspicious, they will know exactly what to do. And it really was signed into law back in 2018, but everybody needs to be trained by January 1st of 2020, which is just in a few days. So if people want to be trained, they better give hurry up and give us a call because that's what <laughs> we do. But kind of kidding about that. Uh, But after uh, January 1st of 2020, uh, every two years, all the hotel workers and motel workers will need to be uh, retrained on how to spot uh, these signs of human trafficking. And because you mentioned, Larry, that your your excellent organization, our excellent organization, gives training, why don't you give a shout out uh, regarding the website so people know where to go to find out about this? 
Right. It's uh, the, the nationallawcenter.org. And, of course, usually you'll put the triple W before that. So nationallawcenter.org. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. And that's the best way to reach us. We have our phone number there. Uh, we have an email link. You can email us if you want to receive training. And, uh, and you can call us anytime, of course. Larry, why is it so important uh, that we do have all different kinds of employees receiving more mandatory training on what the red flags are? I mean, I am willing to bet that anybody watching or listening has been in a scenario where they've seen a couple, for example, or activity going on and just it just thought, what is going on here? What is the relationship between those two people? What are they doing? Is that a father-daughter? Is it a date? Is it an escort service? You just don't know. You don't want to jump to conclusions. We want to think of everybody in a positive light and not be paranoid. You know, some of this training that you've been discussing uh, relating to Senate Bill 970, and I know there are bills all over the country, um, and in fact, they are actually having, and I know you're aware of some of the great stories, uh, some really wonderful effects when you have airline stewards, people that work in different industries, actually knowing what to look for because they've gone through this training and sometimes actually saving someone from trafficking. Uh, is that part of the reason, Larry, you think that we're seeing more litigation? We all know litigation leads to legislation on this particular topic of training employees. I do, Wendy, and they've actually, the airline industry has stepped forward actually before uh, this new law has taken effect. And I wanted to tell you very briefly about this amazing story. Uh, It was a flight attendant, Sheila Fedrick, who was a flight attendant for Alaska Airlines. They were flying from uh, Seattle to San Francisco. She noticed a very well-dressed older man sitting next to a disheveled young girl and she suspected something was up, so she left a note in the restroom, and she said, do you need help? Just write on the back of this note if you need help. And sure enough, uh, she wrote that note. The young lady wrote that note that she needed help. They notified the authorities in San Francisco, and that man was arrested as soon as they landed. So that's a real good example of what to look for and how uh, just this awareness can help stem the tide of human uh, sex trafficking. I remember that story, Larry, and uh, I read it on your Twitter feed. And you want to give listeners your uh, Twitter handle as well for NLC? Right. Let's see. That would be uh, at NLC, uh, NLC Protects, at NLC Protects. And one of the things I loved about that story, Larry, I was, it was just so gutsy and bold. You know, a lot of people think, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know whether to say anything or am I going to feel guilty if I don't? Do I have a duty to step in? But that was a really bold, gutsy mood. And I'll tell you that that flight attendant had some very good perception skills to actually be able to, to take a look at that. Uh, let me ask you another question about Senate Bill 970. And we've talked about that being, you know, required hotel and motel employees. 20 minutes of classroom or other effective interactive training and education regarding human trafficking awareness. And listen to the way it's phrased next. To each employee who is likely to interact or come into contact with victims of human trafficking, one of the most insidious parts of human trafficking as an epidemic, I don't even want to say sweeping the nation because I believe it's probably been here long before we started paying the kind of attention to it that thank God we are now. How do you determine who qualifies as an employee likely to come 
or into contact with or to interact with a human trafficking victim. Part of the problem we've faced since the beginning is it's that not in my backyard phenomenon. Everybody says, ah, look at the nice neighborhood I live in. Surely we don't have a problem here. Why, Larry, can we not necessarily simply rely on the fact that we personally feel safe in a restaurant, in a hotel, in a neighborhood and think that must mean we don't have a human trafficking problem? Right. Well, I think we all have to be aware, and I would just encourage the public, not only hotel and motel workers, not only airlines, but everybody needs to learn about the red flags of human trafficking. And that's the type of training that we're doing now. It's a a human trafficking awareness training. And what people don't realize, it's not like in the movie Taken where somebody gets uh, kidnapped from a hotel room, if if everybody's familiar with that movie. Uh, it's more like in the in the food court of a high-end shopping mall where these traffickers are looking for the, the people that they can alert into the industry. Uh, that's one example. Another thing is like Facebook uh, or, or Twitter or some of these social media sites where if you're not watching what your, your young uh, teenagers are doing or your children are doing, uh, that can be a, a door into uh, getting these – kids into the human trafficking uh, industry. Yeah, Larry, you know, one of the one of my favorite examples, uh, my sister, obviously, who you know very well, past president of NLC, she and I think we can sit in a food court uh, over the noon hour or even in the evening and spot these predators, these uh, flashy dressers looking like they're going to a nightclub, not eyeing the selection of pizza, but the selection of prey, preying often on some of the young women who aren't used to getting the kind of attention that these traffickers can give them, and hence luring them with honey rather than vinegar. Not everybody is snatched off the street like in the movie Taken. I think you're right. Larry, we are out of time. Thank you so much for providing such great information. Uh, We will talk to you soon. And the rest of you, please stay with me. We're going to go to break. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. FM 96.1 North County. And AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. Andrea Kay. Telling you like it is. All while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Thank you. We're talking again about donuts. Todd, do is there something I don't know about what I'm going to receive after the show? Because I can't quite talk and eat at the same time, but I'm hoping maybe I'll get some sort of a reward. Okay. You get some magical donuts. That That's right. As long as they're Krispy Kremes, uh, jelly. Good. All right. So one of the other things you may have noticed uh, that occurred over the last couple of days is rain. We hardly ever get rain in San Diego. It is such a luxury. Those of us that have lived here forever just don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't know, do we cancel our plans? Or can we drive on the roads? I mean, do we do we even have an umbrella? I guess maybe some of us had to go out and buy one or borrow one. Earlier this year, we had a couple of days of rain. It's always, the umbrella's always somewhere where you need, it's not where you need it. It's, like it's never where you need you, it, Todd. You, you, gotta go. <laughs> you know, if we lived on the East Coast, what would we do? It would be like me with my nose glasses, right? There's a pair in the car. There's a pair on my desk. There's a pair in my pocket. I mean, they're everywhere. Thankfully, they sell them at Dollar Tree. But what do you do with these umbrellas that you don't know where they are because it doesn't rain enough? Well, I like to believe that maybe rain drives people inside where they can relax and spend more time with their families as long as they're not talking politics, I suppose. Um, But my next guest actually is going to give us a little bit of a different perspective on some of the hazards of rainfall, at least if there are too much of it. 
Um, and her name is Melanie Burkholder. Now, Melanie is a former Secret Servant agent. I am just, every time I have her on, I'm so impressed by that. Former Secret Service, she recently toured the border with CPB. She's a candidate for the California State Assembly in the 76th District. Um, And she also is an activist preserving the environment in the city of Carlsbad. Uh, And, of course, environment often includes rain. So first, let me uh, welcome in Melanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Wendy. Nice to be with you again, and thank you for having me. It is always such a pleasure. And you and I have discussed such a wide range of topics just in the event that the weather reporters are right, and we actually do. I always said that was like the best job in the world, right? Being a reporting the weather in San Diego, because most of the time it's going to be the same. No, I'm just kidding. Those people are actually, they work very hard and they're very smart. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if we absolutely. do, yeah, if we do get more rain as, as predicted over the next couple of days, Tell us really what that might mean in terms of how San Diego, especially near the border, actually is impacted adversely by too much rain. Yeah, and uh, thanks again so much for having me. I just uh, toured the border, as you mentioned, a couple weeks ago and um, actually went through. We had had rain prior to that. I know you might know that in November, just last month, we had 22 people rescued in a drainage tube, and one person unfortunately died uh, trying to get across the border in these drainage tubes. So um, what happens is because they ha- the Border Patrol agents have to take off the grates of the drainage tubes, it allows for the free flow of all sorts of things to come over to our border and many of those things are toxins. Um, The California Border Patrol actually did a study about what was coming over the border and determined that the liquid and soil are comprised of unsafe levels of toxic chemicals. Um, Essentially, in fact, I can reference the Washington Examiner news article about this uh, with the Border Patrol agent that I toured with who wrote or not wrote, but was quoted in this article who said that, you know, this is very unhealthy and it's been happening for 20 years and people are standing up and finally saying, hey, enough is enough. And and we've been dealing with this for decades and nobody's doing anything. So they're looking to politicians in the area at local, state and federal levels to help, um, you know, mitigate the circumstances of the pollution and the toxins that are coming over. I mean, we're not talking about just simple urine. Uh, that would be, you know, an example of one toxin. But there were 42 samples from the river with uh, two culverts during the dry, wet, and post-rain and standing water conditions. So they really did their homework. And the runoff contained 710 times more arsenic, five times more lead, seven times more uranium. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And these Border Patrol agents that have to stand post there, they can't leave their post, much like as a Secret Service agent. You can't just abandon your post because you have a headache from the from the toxins that are coming into the air or whatever they have to deal with those um physical side effects and and this is science it's not you know maybe something's out there in the realm (laughs) it's actually happening melanie um what do our listeners need to know regarding how to potentially protect themselves against some of these toxins that we tend to see especially after a i don't want to say torrential rain i don't want to get overly dramatic but we had a lot of rain overnight so what do we need to do to protect ourselves 
boy, did we have a lot. I spent like an hour this morning in my back patio uh, shoveling mud, which was, you know, great workout. Thank you. Rain. And might be heavier than snow, right? Might be heavier than snow. Some of us that grew up elsewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait a minute, Todd. You don't think so? You think snow's heavier? Oh, I agree. I, I definitely no, think mud is, would be heavier. It's more compacted. Ah, there you go. Okay. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, the bottom line is there shouldn't be any of that kind of stuff. I mean, we're literally talking about refrigerators and car bumpers and, you know, all the toxins that I just mentioned. Yeah. We shouldn't have that issue but because of the proximity to the border you know we know as surfers and swimmers that we shouldn't go into the water uh, right after one of these what you uh, term torrential downpours you know (laughs) we all know that that's just a a san diego term um so you know we have to be safe and and in fact the border patrol agents um they have now like uh suits that they can put on they have wash systems where they have been installed they have clean air systems in their uh, vehicles and so they're trying to mitigate the circumstance the best they can but they're not the ones that even clean this up they have to go and have someone else come in and clean up this toxic waste because you can't touch it and you know on top of all of that what is extraordinarily worrisome to me is that even today five nationals are rescued trying to enter the U.S. illegally through a flooded drainage system. Because I mentioned before, they have to take the grates off so the water can flow and and all the debris and everything flow through. So, um, you know, according to the CBP where I toured a couple of weeks ago, a lot of those folks are drug mules and they're trying to push drugs across the border and they're risking their own lives. It's incredibly unsafe. You know, I said in one of the earlier panels, um, I said, you know, this year the I word is impeachment. Last year, the I word was immigration. When you look at some of the dangers that you've just described, I mean, it sounds like this could be enormously dangerous to somebody trying to cross illegally, in addition to all of the rest of the things you've already mentioned. Absolutely. And, you know, just last month, one person died, as I mentioned. I mean, it's it's scary. And I am um, a proponent, even, you know, as a Republican, I am an environmental conservationist. I, I care about the environment. I've done work here in Carlsbad to that effect. And this is the issue that I want to, one of the issues that I want to tackle in the state assembly, because it means so much to folks all throughout our coastal community that we have safe water to go into to yes. surf and enjoy and swim. I mean, it's, it's, it really is something that the politicians have failed the public, and it's just not acceptable to me. And, you know, it's a great topic for you and I to be discussing today, uh, almost Christmas Eve, two days till Christmas. So um, one of the things we normally talk about right about now is, you know, new laws, new year, what's going to change? I mean, is there anything significant you see on the horizon? The reason I think that's an important question for us here in San Diego is we don't really have the kind of weather swings that the rest of the country, I'm going to say enjoys, because I've always lived here. And sometimes I feel like we're in a temperature controlled dome. Many people think, oh, heaven on earth. But, you know, it is kind of exotic and fun to to splash in a couple of raindrops now and then, staying off the freeway, of course. But is there anything really coming down the pike that you've got your eye on that might improve our lives here in all the ways you mentioned as an environmentalist? Well, with this one, uh, you know, there really shouldn't be any rain, any water standing in those in those places where they where they 
experienced it. And so what you're seeing is basically raw sewage flow into California from the Tijuana-Mexico border. And um, that, that's just not acceptable. It, when there's rains, it will flow more. Um, but I would say that, you know, they are, there is a, a suit from the San Diego port, Chula Vista and Imperial Beach has signed into a suit uh, with the Surfrider Foundation against this. And they're trying uh, from that angle to work and clean it up, essentially. I mean, it, Border Patrol agents are meant to protect our border. They're not meant to clean up sewage. So there's a, a big difference there. And they're not, they're not, there is no need for them to be exposed to these levels of toxins, which cause headache. And yeah. some, some Border Patrol agent got a life eating, uh, flesh eating bacteria and had to uh, resign, or not resign, but got on disability. I mean, he, he had to leave his job, his livelihood, because of this. And, and it's just an issue that has been pushed to the back burner, which is ironic, actually, if you think about it, because uh, Sacramento is led by Democrats who supposedly love the environment, but they're not doing anything for us here in San Diego County regarding this particularly very dangerous issue and also a humanitarian issue, Wendy, I would say, because those people that are risking their lives to cross in these culverts to swim in that toxic water to get across to the U.S. border to then further the, you know, drug <laughs> problem that we have and, and all different things. I mean, it, it, the desperation is real and it needs to be recognized. And we yeah. need to have a, a comprehensive plan to correct. And, you know, one of those things I think is build the wall that, that every Border Patrol agent that I talked to on my tour said the wall is working. We are so happy to have it. And it's... Um, under construction, and that is fantastic. Um, but, you know, in a bigger sense, we really do need to be concerned with the humanitarian crisis. Amen. At our Amen to that. Hey, Melanie, stick with me. Uh, we are going to take a you quick bet. break and then we are going to come right back. Stay with us at home as well. We'll be right back. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. FM 96.1 North County AM 1170 San Diego The Answer You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego All right, welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Again, my name is Wendy Patrick and I have the, the pleasure and the privilege of filling in for Andrea tonight. Uh, we talked the last two segments. The intro included donuts. I'm going to flow uh, back to my Hallmark Christmas movie example and say it's got to be a mug of hot chocolate. Don't they have one in every scene? Now, check it out now if you haven't noticed before. In almost every scene of a Hallmark Christmas movie, there is a mug of hot chocolate somewhere. See if you can find it. Okay, so uh, we're back with my friend Melanie Burkholder. She is, again, a former Secret Service agent, uh, also a candidate for the California State Assembly, 76th District. However, I also know that besides keeping us safe uh, as an environmentalist, she also cares about personal liberties and freedoms. Uh, Am I right about that, Melanie? You care about that? Uh, I could uh, give a big amen to that with capital letters and exclamation point at the end. Amen is appropriate for the topic I'm going to introduce, because speaking of new laws we can expect to see in 2020 is AB 652, which is about religious displays. Here's what it says, Melanie. 
you have mm-hmm. more protections to display religious items like menorahs or crosses outside your home. This law prohibits landlords and homeowner associations from banning the display of religious items on entry doors or door frames. The caveat, of course, is the items cannot be larger than 26 by 12 inch by 12 inches. So you can't go crazy and have something just absolutely gaudy and garish, uh, but you can <laughs> express your religion. Um, this is particularly appropriate, Melanie, as we are literally two days from Christmas, because I know a lot of people are displaying these types of things. And I get questions all the time because, as you know, in addition to being a lawyer, I'm also a Christian minister, and so I'm towing the mm-hmm. line. Well, what really can you show people uh, displaying your your faith? Sometimes we call that visual evangelism. Can you have those things in your home, in your office, uh, in your car, all the different places, especially if you're an Uber driver? But so as from a freedom <laughs> of speech sort of perspective, do you think a law like this which basically is allowing more freedom of homeowners to express their faith. Is this a, a, the beginning of a trend? Uh, are, are we maybe hopefully going to see more of this in the future? Or you think this is a one-off? We have a lot of laws in California every year. Yeah, we do. Over 2,000, I think, last year, just in the assembly alone. Um, I, I guess my initial response to that is why do we need government to step in and regulate something that is a personal uh, First Amendment right, and why is government trying to say, oh, we we want to put parameters on that? I mean, I have personal freedoms and liberties because I live in the United States of America. This is not a socialist country, and this is not a socialist state. So we need to remember that and appreciate the things that we have every day. Uh, and I, I think, really, Wendy, more people we have more in common than we have different. And I also think that we can all swim in the same pool at the same time. We don't have to separate and delineate and decide. It's kind of ridiculous for government to step in and overreach in the area of religious freedom, which is what I see this. We're just not going to swim in the same pool. I just learned from you after a torrential rain because of all (laughs) what else might be in there. But but I get your point. There is much more that unites us than divides us. Let me give you one of the most frequently cited arguments against these laws that protect religious liberty. One of the biggest uh, uh, arguments against is, well, gosh, you can't offend somebody. You might be discriminating. You might make somebody feel bad. You might, you might unintentional. It's always unintentional. It, you know, well, actually, not always. But you might either intentionally or unintentionally express something about your personal religion that offends somebody, in this case, for example, with this law, in the neighborhood. How do you respond to that? How, you know, we're in a very litigious society. I am myself I am experiencing some of that right now as a candidate for the California Student Assembly. But and, and I would say that you you stand your ground on principles and your principles can't be compromised. And, you know, my principles as a, a PhD in clinical Christian counseling and, you know, I have a private practice here in Carlsbad that you stand on what you stand for. And if you don't, then you fall and you you can't fall to the 0.0002% of whatever is impacting this, this conversation. And I just, I find it almost um, disheartening. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, we're going into 
Christmas season. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and, you know, then we're going to have Christmas, and I, as a Christian, celebrate that. But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate Kwanzaa or, you know, the the uh, uh, Jewish religion and, and their celebration of I, I, We can all be together, and I think we need to – we are very divisive right now, and I think we need to take a step back and say, hi – I'm Melanie, and I have more in common with you than we have different. And that's it. That's the base of it. We we have to just look at that and say, and at probably going into my therapist role right no, now. No, it's good. You know, we can all use, we can all listen to that and really appreciate what you're saying. And, you know, I'm really blessed to be ending the segment on this note with you Um so just let me just tell our, our, our listeners and, and Melanie, a shout out to you as well for, for uh, really you. tackling this. We can consciously decide to make this a season of just love for everyone. I mean, love your neighbor. That's what this That's law, right. new law is talking about. That's it's right. protecting things outside your home. So, you know, if you're afraid of offending a neighbor, gosh, maybe you bring over a cake or a pie or whatever else you're, you're good at baking or, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that uh, we should be discussing going into the new year because it's one of the things, like you say, to. my name's Melanie. It doesn't matter what else about you, just that you you are showing love for others. So um, just yeah. kind of in, in the last uh, couple of seconds that I have left, um, what do you want to tell, just, just from your, your Christian background, what do you want to tell our listeners, you know, what, what is one of the most important things we can remember and be thankful for over the Christmas season as we display our respective artifacts outside our homes. Yeah, I think it comes down to the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. and Which comes from the Bible, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. They think it's some (laughs) secular phenomena that isn't actually present in religion. You're right. Yeah, and and respect the Constitution and and what it has to to offer to our liberties and freedoms. I, those are so important to me. You know, the Bible first, the Constitution second, probably in my priority list. If you if you wanted one of those, but I, I think we just really need to treat others the way we want to be treated and um, enjoy this holiday season. Spend that time, like you were talking about earlier with the rain and, and the, you know, spend that time with your family and focus on family because family should be first. Government should be second. That's I, right. There is no potential for me to say government should get between you and your family ever. Melanie, I'm going to give you a big amen right now. And words matter. So if you're at home with your families, don't let words fly. If you're going to deal with words, have it be while you're playing Scrabble. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Wendy Patrick. Good night and Merry Christmas.